Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoy today's message. Nice. All right. Hello again. We've got about 20 seconds before the public Facebook stream join us. And while we're on that, it's our anniversary today. Would you, <clears throat> would you please put your hands together for Jono and our tech team. Uh, today is our 100th live stream. There you go. I, uh, so a bit of a momentous occasion. We've come, can I say a long way? I mean, you know, our first live stream was me on my side on my phone while I was in quarantine after coming back from overseas uh, and uh, the worship team was here, we crossed, some of you remember that, come on, it's one of my best photos of 2020 is seeing the Decrevels all at home sitting in front of the TV like this trying to watch me on my side, anyway we've come a long way but today's our 100th live stream so for those of you watching us on our private Facebook page or are those about to join us publicly, in fact why don't you put your hands together for those joining us publicly now because we do have our... So a big uh, g'day to those of you joining us on the live stream. We have the great pleasure of uh, having Nick and Meredith Rescue with us. They are relatively new friends for us in our 20-year history. We've uh, only really come to invite them into our house the last two years since they moved back to Adelaide from Melbourne. Uh, their first visit here with us was in November 2020 when Nick brought a word on shakings and shiftings. Ooh. Last time he was here in March, 12 months ago, effectively, he spoke on the purpose of the church being to restore to raise up and to release. In fact, that's part of why Nick was here this morning, to help with that releasing of uh, Brooke and Caleb into, into eldership. And so that's part of that, that story. So third time lucky, mate. Come on. Fantastic. Oh, come on. It's not quite that bad. Hey? No, I should be more sentimental. We had such a sentimental moment before. I'm like, bless you, Thank mate. you, sir. I was going to jump up on the stage just like Chad does. But I've had a few accidents over the years and wisdom tells me not to put my ego in front of the wisdom. So there you go. Hey, it's fantastic to be here with you and always great to be able to have Meredith here with me. And um, she's an author, as you know. She has some books at the back there. If you want to have a look at them later, that'll be absolutely fantastic. One of the things I love about this church is the family spirit. And um, even the way, you know, you did the ordination is just absolutely fantastic. I love that it's not just a, you know, let's just do it as a second thought or anything like that, but you really involve everybody. And don't ever lose that. Um, you know, the, the, like never before, uh, the church is needed. Uh, this family of God is so needed. People heal faster when they're in a family. Uh, sometimes we put people through programs and there's some great programs out there, believe me. Uh, but the reality is people heal when they are loved. According to the word of God, that we're patient with them, that we take them on a journey and let them feel that it's okay to go on that journey of healing, which sometimes is very, very painful. So I, I, please don't lose that. And you guys have done an amazing job to build that spirit here and... Um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. So this morning, um, and I'm really impressed how you 
remembered the last two messages. We remember the titles of them anyway. So that's, that's great. I thought, wow, that's good. There's not many two places I go to that they remember. So thanks for that. That's, that's incredible. I don't remember half the time what I preach. I have to keep a record. So this morning I want to talk about moving forward. You know, we've come into a brand new year. Um, you know, I, I like brand new years. I think in the wisdom of God, he's given us new days. He's given us new seasons, and he gives us a new year because to start again. And uh, that's in the wisdom of God. We need that. We need that as individuals. We need that in our families. We need that in our communities. Um, but, you know, it's important to move on and to grab a hold of what God's got for us. You know, God doesn't move us forward because he wants us to just embrace change. You know, it's not like he's trying to keep up with the you know, with, with the trends and everything like that. God's purpose to move us forward is because he wants us to continuously be fruitful and move into his purpose. That's why. You know, don't get caught up in, oh, I hate change. No, no, don't get caught up in that. The reason God wants you to move forward, to mature and grow, is that you can possess the promises and the purpose that he has for your life. How many of you want that? And so this message comes from that in mind. I don't want you to just think, oh, yeah, we've got to go through change because that's what happens. And we all get, you know, caught up in the change. It's because I want to continue to be fruitful in the purpose that God has for me. Do you? So this morning I, I want to look at just three principles and thoughts that hopefully will help you in a practical way and also in a spiritual way to move forward as an individual in your family and as a church community. You know, there's two things that I've sort of observed that there are two reasons, uh, two main reasons, there are many other reasons, but two of the main reasons that we find it hard to move forward or we get stuck in what I call a moment. Who's ever been stuck in moments? You, you read scripture and there's the children of Israel got stuck in moments. You know, when we read about Moses, when they came out of, took the, the children of Israel out of uh, Egypt, they got stuck in a moment of fear and it cost them 40 years. That's, a, that's cyclic behavior. Who, who's ever, who wants to be stuck like that? Sometimes we do get stuck like that. But there's two main reasons. One is because of pain, which is associated with fear. And the other one is because of success. It's like two different extremes. And both are dangerous. And I've been caught up in both myself. That stops me from moving forward. My wife, like you, I've said, is an author. She loves reading books. Uh, I'm not really, you know, I don't really like reading a lot of books unless they're leadership books. Um, I'd rather watch the movie. <laughs> Who's with me? You know, because you get the popcorn. It's over in an hour and a half. You get it in colour, comfortable seating. I do, lately I have been falling asleep a few times while I watch these movies. And I have to say, what was that about? And she, my wife gets really annoyed. But she was telling me one day about this book written by Charles Dickens, because she loves that era, called Great Expectations. How many of you have read the book? How many of you have seen the movie? The movie's a lot better. <laughs> and um, it's an amazing, when she was telling me the story, I really got, I got caught up in it. And I said, oh... You know, I'd like to read that book. And then she bought the book out and thought, I ain't reading that book. So I got the movie. And there's this particular character in it called Miss Havisham. 
And the story about Ms. Hevesham is quite, quite an amazing story because I, I think there's so many people that, you know, I, I think relate to it. And it's a story of this lady who's a very, very wealthy person. She's been left a great inheritance. Uh, she's single and, and she's, she now meets her, the person who's going to marry her. And just like any other bride, and I've done, you know, I've done heaps of weddings and it's such a joyful day. This is her joyful day. She's spent so much money in getting this day ready. She's got her beautiful white dress ready to go. She rolls up to church only to find that her fiancé has abandoned her and left off. She's been jilted. You've not read the book? You've got to see the movie. It's a great movie. And all of a sudden, this pain, she, she, she all of a sudden experiences one of the greatest pains of the human soul, which is rejection and betrayal. That's the greatest pain to the human soul, rejection and betrayal. And um, she makes three fatal decisions. She gets stuck in a moment and she can't move forward. These are the three decisions she makes. The first one is she refuses to remove her wedding dress and lives with it for the rest of her life. Now, what started off as a beautiful garment, when you go to the movie, is tattered, is torn, is dirty, but she refuses to remove it because she's going to be reminded of this terrible day. The second thing she does is every clock in her house, she tells all her servants to stop them at the time of her pain. Drastic. The third thing she does is she takes on a ward, a young lady who she schools in her pain and her bitterness to be untrusting of men. What a terrible life. You know, when I look at it, Aren't you glad that God gives us brand new garments? Yeah. <laughs> he removes those garments of pain. And I, I, Chad was talking about it in, in the prayer meeting this morning. It's so significant. And this is such a, a, a tragic, tragic story. She not only affects her own life, but her poison starts to affect the next generation. It's so important that in God, we allow him to remove those ashes he gives us, the Bible says he gives us beauty instead of ashes. Because it not only affects our life, it can affect the generations that are following us. It's so important to move forward. Here's the second thing, is that sometimes we get stuck in our moments because of success. Now, I like success. I like when everything's going well. And I usually don't like to change it when everything's going well. Who's with me? Because it brings me great comfort. But, you know, we learn a lot in history about times when success can become dangerous because to continue to produce, to, be, to continue to be fruitful, how many of you know God sometimes has to prune and cut? And we don't like to go into those seasons, but they are very important if we're going to continue to prove. The Bible talks about it in John chapter 15. We, hear, we, know, we read of a story, I saw the movie again, you know, of, of Henry Ford. He had incredible success, particularly in the Industrial Revolution. Now we live in the, in the digital age. But in the Industrial Revolution, we, we found the way that he really was successful because he built the Model T Ford. When he eventually 
handed his company on to his son, Edson, um, Edson realized that something was changing in the way that things were done, in the way that society was reacting and people reacting to the cars. And General Motors had now not only produced a car, but they had different types and different colours. The thing with the Model T Ford was a great car, but it only came in black. So he decided, well, you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to change some of our Model T forms and we're going to paint them in different colours. And in this particular movie that I saw of this biography, uh, there's this, you know, Edson brings his father in with all his executive and he's got this prototype, this new prototype, and it's got, it's veiled. And he's, he's doing this unveiling and he wants his dad to be really proud of him and he pulls this, this cover of the car over. It's a yellow it's a yellow one. I don't know why he picked yellow. And his father walked around it a few times, goes to the workshop, comes back with a sledgehammer and starts smashing it and says, don't ever change what I started. Wow. Let's be careful because we can get caught up in pain and we can get caught up in pain. How many of you want to move forward today? Yeah, we've been through this pandemic. We don't know where it's totally going. We can get stuck. There's apparently people that are refusing to come out of their rooms. They're stuck. Aren't you glad that God doesn't get stuck? <laughs> Aren't you glad that God wants us to move forward? Aren't you glad that God wants to be fruitful and he has a purpose and doesn't matter what's happening around us? And, and you know what? what? What was successful yesterday in the church? Let's not hold on to that. Because God wants to give us new fruit. God wants us to move forward. Amen. Can you give me an amen today? How many of you want to move forward today in the things of God? So we're going to look at a man called Joshua who had to take the nation of Israel who'd been stuck for 40 years walking around the same place. How boring. Their clothes never wore out. How boring. How many of you like shopping? Only two, only two people, really? Or three people? Please. Who's with, who likes shopping? My wife hates it. Okay, a few people. Same food. And now all of a sudden Joshua is commissioned, ordained, to take the people forward into a new time. He's taking them from a deliverance mindset to a possessing mindset. How many of you want to go into that possessing and possess the promises of God? So here's three things that, have, that he has to process to go forward. I, I pray today that these three things will help you. Number one, I think we've got notes. Have we got notes? Number one. He had to get yeah, three points. We're always three points. The reason we do three points is because it keeps us on time. Because if we had to really preach all the other points, we'd be here for about five hours. But... Here's the first thing. Here's the first thing. Meredith, I'm not even going to listen to that comment because I know what it was about. First thing is this. If you're going to move forward and grab a hold of the promises that God has for you, you've got to see those promises with brand new eyes. You've got to see with brand new eyes. Now, here's the interesting Joshua 2.1, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies out from Sittim and said, Go and look over this land of promise. Now, I was amazed. He must have learned a few things about Moses. Moses sent 12. He only sent 2. I'm not going to get into that. 
But the, the thing that really, when I read this passage of Scripture, I was like going, God, why didn't you send Caleb? Why didn't Caleb go? Because Caleb had gone to the land before and he came back with a positive. He was a man full of faith. And I'm thinking, why didn't he send Caleb? You would have got a yes. You would have got, yep, we saw it then. We, you know, we see it now. Let's go in. What the heck are we waiting for? That was the spirit that was on this man. But he sent two new spies who'd never been in the land. Because, friends, let me tell you this, our promises need to be seen with brand new eyes. Because let me tell you with time what happens. Do you know, uh, I'm now 62, I'll be 63 this, this year. And, um, you know, I, I remember when I was, um, how old was I? I think it was, I was 50. Uh, I went to an optometrist and he sat me down and said, how old are you? I said, I'm 50. He goes, yep, you're going to need glasses. I'm thinking, what are you, prophetic? You haven't checked them, you haven't done anything. He says, well... Your eyes start to, you know, they start to degenerate a little bit. And, and you can have all sorts of issues. I didn't know there was all these issues that can happen with your eyes. Cataracts, you can be colorblind, you can have a detached retina, eye occlusion, blind spots, um, photophobia, which is, you know, light. And so with time, what happens is, you know, we become familiar. We can start looking at our promises and what happens is they lose the actual essence of the promises of God in your life. Because we start having fear and doubt and this starts happening, the pandemic hits and this starts happening. All of a sudden, we see with different things. But God wanted Joshua to go look into that promise with brand new eyes and says, hey, guess what? The promise is still there. And when they came back, they bought a great report. Do you know, I'm, I've been so privileged over my ministry life. I've had great PAs, absolutely fantastic PAs. And a couple that I had, uh, you know, years ago was a, a couple that were my assistants. And um, Tim and, and uh, Rebecca Ackerson, when I was working at Edge with Pastor Danny Guglielmucci. And um, they were fantastic. We were in our city congregation. And um, Tim was my assistant. Beck was my PA. She was absolutely brilliant. Uh, she was this sort of young lady that, you know, on Mondays, on Sunday night, she'd make scones. I mean, who does that as a PA? She'd make scones and then she'd get to work early and she'd have, you know, cream and, and jams and all the teas and all the different coffees. And it was a joy going to work on Monday. You know, it was like, yes, you know, Beck's been cooking, do you know what I mean? And so we would, we would come in and she was just absolutely brilliant, do you know? But this couple had a, a pain in their heart. They'd been married for quite a few years and, you know, they, they so... And, and Beck was, was such a mother hen. And we knew she was going to be a great mum and Tim was going to be a great dad. The problem is they were told they could not have children. It's devastating. And you know what made it harder is most of the young people, the young adults in our church, whenever they had babies, guess who they asked to do the baby dedication? was usually Tim and Beck. You know how hard it is to see somebody hold a promise and you can't have it? That's a lot of pain. And, you know, I, I always used to know that when we'd have a service like that, I used to know, you know what, I need to be very sensitive this week because these two would have gone home and felt the, the joy for their, for their friends but the pain that they themselves could not have children.
And, you know, we had discussion over the years and, you know, I said, look, have, have you been checked out? And, and I sent them to a doctor in our church because they had great relationship with him. I said, look, could you, could you at least give us some, something that we can pray about? And they went and, and he said, listen, it is impossible. Aren't you glad that we serve the God of possibilities? You know, when we began to pray, they began to pray, and they were already praying, but it was like we really honed in. You know, about a year later, they came into my office and said, we want to see you, and, you know, everything was going well, so I didn't know what they wanted to see me about, and they came in and they sat on the couch, and... and um, they were getting emotional and teary, and I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here, and what's going on? And, and um, they said, Pastor Nick, and, and, and you know when the, you, you, you're like, you can't read it, you can't read them, and I was like going, you seem excited, but you're crying, it, it, it's some, there's a conflict here. And they were crying and, and excited, and all of a sudden they said, you're not going to believe this, but we are pregnant. <laughs> Well, then I started crying, and we were hugging and everything like that, and, you know, and, and it was like there was so much excitement and thinking, wow, God is so good. And this was, that now they had been carrying this, this child for 12, for 12 weeks, so it was over that crucial time. And after everything settled, then it hit me, I thought, oh, I'm going to lose her as my PA. <laughs> well, no, how could they do this to me? It's selfish. So one Sunday, you know, we, we said, well, let's tell the church. They wanted to tell the church, and... I got them to take communion. And, uh, you know, as they... Be- and, and they both got up to do communion. And as I was doing communion, um, you know, th- th- as they're telling the story of what's going, you could tell the people going, I think there's going to be some great news here. You could- people started sitting on the front of their seats. All of a sudden, as they told them they were having a baby, the whole place just erupted. I'll tell you, the joy of the Lord when a promise is fulfilled is absolutely fantastic. But then Beck began to tell her story. We said, Beck, how did this happen? She said, well, you know what? I'd had so many prophecies over my life about being a mother. And she said, and, you know, these promises, when I looked at them, I, I, you know, I, I drew them back out and I started seeing them with brand new eyes. I didn't want to see them with the eyes of fear or doubt or what happens to the, to the eyes of faith when everybody says, when the doctor says to you, you can't do this, you can't have that, you can't do this, and so on and so on. But I started to see them with brand new eyes. She also started this baby drawer. I'd never heard of anything like this, this like faith drawer. She started buying baby's clothes for this baby and started a drawer, drawers for this baby. That's seeing your promises with brand new eyes. Can you give God a hand of praise for that? And I want to say to you today... Man, I know there's been a pandemic and everything like that, but there are prophecies over my life that are still to be unfulfilled. And sometimes you need to draw them out and see with brand new eyes. And I know what the world tells us it's going to happen, but I want to see what God says is going to happen. Can you give me an amen to that? And you know what? And Joshua, he sent those two new spies in because they had to see the promises of God with brand new eyes. You better get moving. How are we going with time? What's the time? Good, okay, point two. He had to come in with a brand new heart. See, things happen over time. Things happen to your heart. In Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, it says this, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. 
Consecration is an issue of the heart. It's got to do with examination, preparation and separation. When God begins to examine our hearts, what he's saying is, hey, we need to examine them, we need to prepare them and we need to separate things that have got a hold of us and get us stuck in moments. Can I say this to you? Sin gets you stuck in moments. Negativity, doubt, fear, they get you stuck in moments. It's consecrate because I want to do amazing things amongst you. How many of you want to see God do amazing things amongst you in this congregation? But in your own life, God wants to do amazing things amongst you. But you know what? Stuff happens in life. How many of you know stuff happens in life? There's storms. There's all sorts of things that happen in life. In 2005, we, um, we went on long service leave. Um, which is a great thing that Australians do, which means that you, you have 12 weeks off and, and uh, you're able to, you know, just enjoy your holiday. What a great time. And we took, I took my family to uh, England because I was doing a lot of ministry there. We also went to Italy. My wife and my children had never met my side of the family from Italy. It was an incredible experience. She's still recovering from that experience from 2005. <laughs> it was quite amazing. Uh, and, you know, when we were in England during that time, God spoke to me about the city of Bristol, and that's a story in itself. And God so impacted me about that city that four years later we ended up planting a church there. Uh, long story. But when we came back, this is 2005, when we came back, and we've been through a few storms in our life, believe me, but when we came back, what happened is while I was in Italy, um, I started losing my voice. And I couldn't speak properly. And when I got back, I, I went to the doctor and he, you know, did some examination. He said, well, look, you've actually got nodules on your vocal cords. He said, are you a singer? I said, well, you know, I'd like to think that I am. I, some of you might know, but I was actually in a band called Nicky and the Boys in my, in my younger years. And every once in a while, I feel like bringing Nicky and the Boys out. Do you know what I mean? Doing a revival of Nicky and the Boys. Uh, yeah, but I better stop there. Okay, so... Um, and this was, it was a true band, believe me. That's how sort of my wife fell in love with me, but we'll leave it at that. Um, so <laughs> she's given me these looks. It's really, you know, it's really bad when she sits at the front here. Anyway, so I got these nodules, so they had to operate, very delicate operation. And then my son, David, who was putting himself through university and he was, a, he was in the music conservatory, he was a professional drummer, and some of the guys in his class used to do gigs so that they could get money to pay for some of his schooling, which was fantastic. One night he's coming home. He, he must have been really tired. He went through a red light and he, and he had an accident. Wrote the car off and did some damage to his ribs. As this is going on, my mother, um, she was going to go in the hospital um, because she had to have back surgery. But just before she was going to go and have that operation, it was my daughter's 21st birthday. And so we were going to do a collective thing with our family. And my mother said, I'm going to make seven trays of lasagna, uh, and, uh, which is what you do as an Italian, you know. And if you've never tasted Italian lasagnas, they're incredible. And so she, she made these seven trays of lasagna, had worked all day, hard work. Seven trays is a lot of work. And this pain was unbearable. It was quite cold. And, and she came and sat in her little lounge room, uh, had a bar heater in front of her, electric bar heater to get warm. And somebody had told her that if you put methylated spirits and rub it on your back, you know, on a cloth, it'll, oh, sorry, on your legs, the circulation will help better and it'll take the pain away. Do you know where I'm going with this? You know, with, 
you've got a full bottle of methylated spirit and a bar heater. She picks it up, it slips out of her hand, splashes on the bar heater, bang, up goes the, the room. She starts yelling out. Now, my dad was about to have a bath. His name was Romeo. Can you imagine? Romeo, Romeo. You know? <laughs> Can you imagine the scene? It was just like, really? And, um, you know, he, he comes... He comes rushing in. They had both. They had both done, you know, uh, um, fire, what do you call it, in their factories and stuff like that. So they knew what to do. They shut all the doors. They raised it. Cut a long story short, the roof of the house, everything went up. We got a phone call saying, listen, your parents' house is on fire. I could hardly speak. I was like, so we rushed in, went there, and, and we, were, we were in shock. My mother was at my neighbour's place, and I, I remember walking into mum to, to my neighbours and seeing my mother, and I, I thought... Wow, mum looks younger. She looked so much younger. And what had happened was mum's got really white hair, but the soot had got in her hair. And she looked so... I thought, wow, she's not... This, is, this has been a good experience for her, you know? And then I went in with the firemen. They take you through the rooms. And the trays of lasagna were untouched. And it was my, my daughter's birthday. I said, can we still have these? And he gave me this look like, are you an idiot? <laughs> Don't you understand what fumes do and stuff like that? It was just really weird. Anyway, my dad, I saw something in my dad, you know, the next day, <laughs> which still gets to me, you know. He, um, he says to, um, I said to dad, I said, do you want us to put the 21st birthday off? He goes, no. As you come here tomorrow morning, We'll go to the bank. We're going to withdraw as much money as we need and we're going to make this birthday happen. I thought, wow. I saw something there that just absolutely touched my heart. It was his granddaughter. You know, we were on the prayer list in our church every week. You know, pray for Pastor Nick's nodules, <laughs> pray for David's, his son. They've just had the house burnt down. We're like, every week we're on the prayer chain. It was just like, you know, it's was, it was, it was talk about a storm. Talk about things sticking to your heart, disappointments. And then, you know, I was at home one morning. It was 9 o'clock in the morning. It was my day off. I was resting in bed. And I was thinking, man, you know, I'm tired. And I get a phone call from our son's school, our youngest boy, Michael. I think he was about, would he have been 15 then? And they said, oh, Mr. Resky, uh, could you come and pick up your son, Michael? He's, he's had a bit of an accident, head injury, um, and we need you to pick him up and maybe get him checked out. Now, Michael, Michael was always doing this. He'd get hit by baseball bats, cricket bats, everything. Oh, Michael, you know. I'm getting out the car, and I said to Meredith, uh, she's coming back from taking her other son, <laughs> getting himself checked with his chest and ribs. I said, you better get in the car. Michael's just had an accident. But while we were on the way, they said, listen... Uh, we've had to call the ambulance in. He's gone to the uh, Flinders. Uh, he's bleeding from the, the nose. And so we've called the ambulance. Now, all of a sudden, our fear factor goes up. We get to the hospital. I, I drop Meredith off. She goes in. I'm trying to park the car, eventually get in. When I get into that ward, there's an urgency. They're, gonna, they're saying, listen, Mr. And, and I find out what the urgency is, is he's torn an artery in his in his vein, in his um, head, his brain, and they had to give him brain surgery. Now, you, you can smash the cars, burn the houses down, don't touch the kids. 
And I remember it, it was a terrible time. Meredith kept talking a lot. I kept crying a lot. It's just two different ways we approach things. And I'll never forget when he came out of the operation. It was a three-hour operation. He comes out and um, he says, you know, we're like, we're like, this kid's had his skull cut open. He's now got three plates in his head. And we're like going, what's he going to be like? And he opens up his eyes and he goes, how are you guys going? Well, I'm there, I'm there like, how, how are we going? How are you? And there's a nurse there going, you know, how, can you move your fingers? Can you move your toes? And, and then she says to him, is there anything we can do for you, Mike? And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm hungry. Have you got any food? And I'm thinking, he's a typical Italian, this kid. All he thinks about his stomach. You know, he was out faster than we thought. He wanted to get back to school. He was the class captain. He was the, the, the school captain that year. It was an amazing thing. But I learned something from my son. You know, he never used that situation to... He never milked it. it it's not like he didn't, make a, he, didn't, he didn't make any excuses. Now, if that had been me, I would have milked that thing for everything. I would have gone, oh, could you please get me this? Could you get... He was like, let's, let's get on with life. And, and I saw something that he did not allow that situation to affect his heart. What, what's stuck in your heart? What, what storm has stuck in your life? And this is why what happened before Joshua could take the people in, not only did he have to get new eyes, he had to get a new heart. Things happened in our life. And I guarantee you that there are many of you sitting here that things have happened Things that you did, it was not on your radar, definitely wasn't on your plan. But God's got a purpose. And I didn't know that, you know, it was like we, we came into this storm because of the purpose of what was ahead of us. God had called us to go to a nation that we'd never been before. And it was like he was going, I'm going to take you down a track where you're going to need faith like never before. But we could have got stuck in those moments of that pain but God moved us on. You know, Michael was amazed. There was only one time he did say to us, you know, when he brought, he, when he brought his report card home, he said, Dad, Mum, when you open this, I want you to realise I've had brain surgery this year. And that was about the only time that he actually... Here, here's the third one. Third and final one. New eyes, new heart, and you have to take a new step. If you're going to move in the things of God... You've got to see your promises with brand new eyes. Don't see them with, with what the world tells you. See them what the word tells you. Make sure that your heart is consecrated to God. Don't let the storms... You know what's happening at the moment? There's so many people getting caught up in the storm that they forget the purpose of God. Do not get caught up in the storms that happen. And here's the thing, you've got to take a new step. Joshua 3.3 3 says, When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. Guess what? The church has never been this way before. I talk to so many leaders and they go, is there, a, is there a, some sort of strategy or something that we can follow? Yeah, where, where's the manual for this? We don't know. What is it, what, what's it going to look like? We're in unfamiliar territory. But God's in charge. He's the lion. He's the one that's saying, come on, lead by, come by the Holy Spirit. And you know what? In a way, 
We've become so intelligent. We know to do everything. And God's saying, hey, listen, if you want to go into possession, you've got to live by faith. You've got to step into realms that you've never been into before. Joshua's about to step into something. He'd, he'd been there before, but he'd never lived in there before. And I believe that God wants to take the church into a whole new place where we have to live by faith. We have to see things in the spirit like we've never seen before. We don't like the unfamiliar. We don't like the uncomfortable. We don't like the unpopular. You know, when I was in my 40s, my early 40s, and you know, I was being mentored by someone who was a prophetic ministry, and they, they were so gracious. Uh, every time they came to our church, they kept you know, pulling me out and talking about this prophetic thing in my life, and I didn't even know what he was talking about half the time. You know, I hadn't been schooled in those areas, and I was just a pastor, you know. I was trying to learn how to preach and trying to help people and love people and govern people and try and, you know, help them connect to God. And this guy kept pulling me out, saying, no, this prophetic thing, and I went to this camp that, that, that just transformed a lot of things and released this gift in my life. And when I came back from this camp, this one-week camp, it was so dynamic. I came back and, and it was like there was this grace on my life. There was this incredible grace. And what would happen is I would literally, I'd look at a person and as I'd look at this person, the Lord would start giving me words for this person. And I'd think, wow, that's a great place to be. And I'd move with great confidence, you know, pull them out and say, yep, yeah, this is happening. And, and, and it was fantastic. About six months in, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, are you ready to go to another level? Do you want to go to another level? I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This level was fantastic. I'm seeing people released and blessed. What's the next level like? He said, well, this next level, you're going to have to step out in faith. Yeah. And what was happening is I would just have a sense that God wanted to speak to a person but I had nothing for them until I told them to stand up. I did not like that level. The other level was a lot better and easier. And now I'm, like, I'm getting nothing. I, it was just, I would just let, like have a sense over somebody. But I have nothing. That still happens to me today. I just get a sense. And then I have to step out in faith. And I, I remember the first time this happened to me. I'm, I'm in a leadership training thing. And, and I'm training a group of leaders about this size. And, you know, I, I do my teaching. And then they said to me, please, can you also, the, the last 15 minutes, can you prophesy over people? And I get this sense over this person. And, um, you know, I, I, I stand him up. And when I stand him up, he's got a beard. And I get this, tell him to shave his beard off. <laughs> you know, I wish they had a you know, Tell him to shave his beard off. I mean, what sort of word is that? I'm not going to give that word. So I'm like going, I'm arguing. I'm not giving that word. Is there anybody else up there that can give me something different? So I call him out. I'm stalling. All I'm getting is tell him to shave his beard off. I mean, come on, give me a break. You know, we're, we're supposed to be spiritual people. I'm trying to look, what does the Bible say about beards? <laughs> so I pull him out. He comes out the front, nothing. Tell him to shave his beard. I said, are you married? <laughs> Thought I'd try that, yep. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. So he comes, yeah, I'm married. I'll bring your wife out. Got everybody clapping. I'm stalling. <laughs> I'm trying everything I can in the book. I'm, 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 I'm in... You know, I'm walking on the water, and I'm sinking. You know, and I'm, and I, you know, and I'm like going, yeah, all right, yeah. And then I start saying, this is it. You know, 
Jesus did some funny things in the Bible when he healed people. He spat on the earth. Sometimes we don't understand the leading of the Spirit because all I'm getting is tell him to shave his beard off. I am in such unfamiliar territory. It's not funny. And I want to tell you something. It is scary because people are very, you know, particularly back then it was like, you gave the wrong prophetic word. They, they wanted to stone you. Ah, oh, you foul. You know, it's incredible. I'm thinking, what the heck am I going to do? Do you know, I've learnt it's better to trust the Holy Spirit <laughs> even when things, when you're unfamiliar to it, when you've got to take a step because the realm of faith unlocks incredible things. When you step into that realm, when it goes beyond your intellect, beyond your experience, beyond your training, there's something that unlocks in the heavens. And I said, look, you know, eventually I just gave up. You know, I was fighting with God. I felt like Jacob wrestling with God. And, um, you know, it wasn't just my hip was broken. There's a lot of other things that seemed to be broken. And I said, I said you know, look, are you, you're going to think this is crazy? But I, I just, I, I, I've got to give you this. And, and, and he goes, yeah. And he's looking at me with like, yeah, what? <laughs> give me the word. <laughs> People love receiving, but yeah, give me the word. You know, he saw it. I said, uh, you, you, you need to go home. God's telling me to go and you need to shave your beard off. Well, his look, the, his face just like, are you an idiot? Like, but his wife started laughing her head off. I'm thinking, what, what the heck is going on here? And people are looking at me going, what, where are you going with this? And I, I, I said to her, I said, why are you laughing? She goes, well, I've never, ever seen him without a beard. And all of a sudden, revelation just came. He was stuck in a moment. He couldn't change. It was like he was in his mind, he was a pastor of a church, so fixed in a certain way, and God, all of a sudden, revelation just came, and I just started you know, prophesying over him, saying, God wants to bring change in your life. There are things that um, you, you've uh, put in a box and haven't allowed God, and, but it was the outward that, that was the key to unlocking him. Do you know, I met him 12 months later. And uh, he came up to me and he goes, hi, Pastor Nick, do you remember me? And I said, look, I, I meet a lot of people. No, I don't. He goes, beard. As soon as he said beard, fear just came all over me. I thought, <laughs> you know, how did that go, you know? And um, he said, you know, I, I battled with that for weeks. I couldn't show. He said, and my wife would wake up every morning laughing at me, saying, when are you going to follow the word of the Lord? <laughs> And he said, you know, eventually he gave in. He said, it was like there was this stubbornness and this fear. I was so entrenched. He said, you know, as I shaved that thing, it was like a weight came off my mind. He said, and as, as I did that, it's like my personality unlocked, my leadership style, and the whole church just was released. Wow. Who's got a beard here this morning? Let's go for, let, let's, let's go for it. This guy here's like, right, right. <laughs> hey, if God speaks to you, then hey, just go for it. Are you married? <laughs> Do you know, I could tell you so many stories where I've not stepped out. Oh, wow. I could tell you, you know, sometimes we like to tell our successes. I can tell you when I don't, haven't. But there's something powerful 
when you step into that new realm. And I really sense today, can I have the keyboard play, the, the band back up? <clears throat> can I, have, I'm just going to have a drink because I'm just going to bring this to a close. Would you give these guys a hand? They do a fantastic job. Um, this lady over here with the blue top on, yes, yes. Do you know, this is a turning point. This could be a real turning point for you today. And I just sense that God wants to bring you into a new place. And um, if you can take a hold of these principles today, I just see God's going to release some of those things that you're carrying. Is that all right? You're a good person. You really are a good person. And, and you know, I just sense God wants to just really let you not just know his love, but feel his love. And a as you do that, something's just going to break open. This is going to be, this could, this could be a really turning point for you. And it could just unlock some stuff that you've been holding dear in your heart. Is that all right, love? Fantastic. Why don't you give her a big hand today? Do you know... God is so good. I trust. I trust in his leading. And with everything that we've gone through and communities have gone through and some communities worse than others, his purpose still stands. There's so much more that he wants to do. Not, not just in your church community, in your life. In your family, there's some of you that are stuck in family situations. Some of you are stuck in... Actually, as I was... This morning, as I was just pondering on these thoughts, I just felt there was somebody here. I don't know if it's a couple, but you're, you're actually looking at a new house. You're, you're, you're wanting to purchase something new, and you're a little bit nervous about it because things don't quite stack up financially. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just say, Hey, take that step. Trust me. Look at this with new eyes. Don't look at it with what, you know, the figures are saying. You know, go with a heart that's trusting and take a step and see what I will do. Now, if that couple would come up or that person would come up to me after, I'd love to pray for you. But why don't we stand to our feet? Would you do this today? Do you want to move forward today? How many of you want to move forward? So I'm going to ask you to do three things for me this morning as we do this. I'm going to ask you to put your hands on your eyes. Would you do that right now? Just put your hands on your eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you that through life, sometimes our eyes of faith get blurred. We lose vision. We lose hope. But Father, today I pray for brand new eyes. I pray for eyes of the Spirit that would see, just like Elijah prayed that his servant's eyes would be open so he could see that... More were for him than against him. Father, today I pray for that, that we would see circumstances, situations with brand new eyes. Now I wonder if you can put your hand on your heart. I don't know what you've been through, what you've been carrying. I don't, I don't know what you've been sensing in your heart. But you know, there's, there's, sometimes we think consecration is such a hard thing, but it's not. It's just God saying, I want you to be released in your heart. I want you to be free. I don't want you to be bound with the things, the hurt, the pain, the disappointments. I want you to be free so you can enter into and grab everything. Everything starts in your heart. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. 
I pray for a release in the spirit. In the spirit right now. Things would break off of people's hearts. Things that have just made them just feel like they are stuck. Father, today, let those things be released right now in Jesus' precious name. Let there be a freedom. Let faith arise afresh, not just through their eyes, but through their hearts. And now I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. I want you to, I'm going to ask you to take a step forward. Is that all right? So if you can, wherever you can, you might have to go step back to your chair because I'm going to ask you to take a step forward. And this is symbolic. You know, sometimes prophetic, you have to activate things prophetically to grab a hold of what God's got for you. If you do this by faith, I believe today that this year can be a year when you can move forward. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't get stuck in, you know, 2021. Come on, let's move forward in the Holy Spirit. Would you do that with me? Would you grab a hold and say, you know, I'm going to take a step. And some of you might even want to get out in the aisles and and take a big step and say, God... We're going to step into what you have for us because let me tell you, this, this thing is not about change, just trying to embrace change. This is about, hey God, I want to grab a hold of everything you have for me. I want to stay in line with your purpose and I want to continue to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Fruitfulness will bless not just yourselves but so many people in your family and community. So on the count of three, I'm going to get you to take that step. We're all going to take a step forward. I'm not going to jump on that. And then we're going to give the Lord a shout. We're going to give the Lord a, you know, a hand of praise and just shout. We're going to lift our hands and we're going to really praise. Is that all right? And then can we finish off with that first song that you sang? Is that all right about pray- the first one? That would be awesome. Are you ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, take that step. Come on, give God a hand of praise. Come on now. Come on, say, God, we're going to grab a hold of everything that you have for us today with new eyes and new heart and, Father, with a new step of faith. Come on now, lift your hands towards heaven. Come on, just give him a shout of praise. Say, God, today, God, today, we see that breakthrough coming, not just in this church, but right through this community, in this city, in this Lord's state, in this nation, in Jesus' name. Come on, guys, let's sing it in Jesus' name. Come on. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And, of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.